Well, howdy! This podcast is a proud member of the PodCon Go Network. PodCon Go, family-friendly shows that are fun for everyone. Welcome to Elderberry Tales. Watch out for that clay pigeon. It's time for a story. Today's story is The Case of the Chukar Partridges by William Stair. I know, it's been a long time since the last Elderberry Tales episode, but I think you're really going to enjoy this. This is another dog detective story. Three detectives make that four. A brand new one, The Case of the Chukar Partridges. It was a special day. Trooper's staff were away at their cottage, and he had the house on Baker Street to himself. Naturally, he'd contacted his friends and invited them over to spend an exciting afternoon and evening in conversation. And of course, a lot of chasing things. He'd recently gotten an electric frisbee thrower, which shot the pie plate-shaped things across the backyard. Jumping into midair and catching the plates was a special joy, especially being a border collie used to chasing game. It would be a lively time here on Baker Street. First to arrive was Theo, who agreed that catching things was great fun, and asked if the plates had rats on them, or at least rat blood. Being a rat terrier, vermin were always on his mind. Next to arrive was Overton, who came up the walk gasping due to the exertion of walking from the street to the door. Ever since the affair at Baskerville, he'd suffered from a shortness of breath, which he ascribed to excessive exposure to cat hair, specifically Meowyartes. Trooper ascribed it to a diet too rich in meat and pastry. Overton's English Mastiff heritage had its drawbacks. Finally, Max appeared. Being the eldest, they had deferred any activity until he arrived. As always, he apologized for his lateness. Voulez excuser mon retard. Forgive me for being late. After all, as a fully French poodle, he had to uphold the glory that was France. In his case, that meant a long time before the mirror, primping and having each curl carefully arranged. And so the four were reunited, a full year after the harrowing case at Baskerville. Once they were settled, each with his own bowl of water, conversation began. Overton lifted his heavy jowls from the refreshing water, and scanned the walls of Trooper's bachelor apartment. Small slime-sickles began to form at the corners of his mouth. His eyes stopped at a new piece of art over the fireplace mantel. I see you've invested in a piece of highly questionable art, eh, Trooper? He wagged his paws in the air, indicating quotes around the word art. Why, uh, yes, Overton. I was walking down the street not long ago, and a neighbor was having a garage sale. This particular item was available, very reasonably. Hmm, let me guess. Free? 
rumbled Overton. Uh, yes, but how did you know? stammered Trooper. Elementary, my dear Trooper. After all, how many portraits of dogs playing poker do you think the art market can bear? Or the garage sale market, for that matter, replied Overton, rolling his eyes. Theo shuddered at the sight of Overton's eyes. At the best of times, they looked peculiar. But when he rolled them, which he often did in disgust, the reds showed in a most disturbing manner. Oh, I think it's lovely. Is it painted on black velvet? Asked Theo. No, but that would be a remarkable find. Not unlike discovering a painting by Monterrier in your attic, said Trooper. You know, speaking of the French artist, the figure on the right with the green eye shade reminds me of you, Max, Theo offered. Sacre bleu, cried Max. I would never be caught wearing the green eye shades. Green is not a complimentary color to my breed. Huh, interjected Overton. I suggest you improve the art with a pistol, shooting the pattern VR into it. Vile reprobate, asked Trooper, glaring at Overton. Vicious rats, suggested Theo, licking his lips. Vinaigre regula, offered Max, imagining a tasty salad. Very ridiculous, intoned Overton. Well, responded Trooper, in a voice edging on tears, we can't all be overweight bullies with hideous saliva threads hanging from our snooty faces. The two bared their teeth at each other, and Theo feared he was about to witness a dogfight. Max intervened. Boys, boys, we cannot be behaving like les enfants. S'il vous plaît, mes amis, we each have our own sense of art and must respect that, just as we each have our own body type and deserve to be proud of it. Now sniff and make up. Slowly, the curled lips relaxed, settling back over the deadly canine teeth. Grudgingly, the two sniffed each other's rear end. Much better. Now, trooper old friend, when you called, you said you'd a new game you wanted to show us. This would be a fine time to unveil the surprise, n'est-ce pas? Right you are, Max. This way, all of you. The moment had passed. Outside, Trooper pointed, English setter style, at a machine on the patio. Why, that looks just like the machine my master, uh, my manservant, had, exclaimed Theo. It would shoot out things he called clay pigeons, which he would then blast out of the air with a gun. It was an awful racket. I had to cover my ears with my paws. It's the same idea, except this tosses these big plastic plates. My manservant stands at the back of the garden and tries to catch them. With his hands. His hands? All the other dogs said at once. That's what comes of having weak jaws and teeth. Good for nothing but serving, in my opinion, sniffed Overton. The other dogs knew better, but chose not to cause another argument. Let me show you how it works, continued Trooper. You all go to the end of the garden. I'll switch it on, and you each try and catch one. This looks like work, grumbled Overton. However, he followed the other two, 
and in a moment they were all three in position. Here we go, barked Trooper, as he pressed the button that started the machine. It began to whir as he also ran to the end of the garden. Zing! Out flew one of the frisbees. It sailed high over the garden and crashed into the back fence before the dogs even knew what was happening. Hey, I wasn't ready, complained Theo. But before anyone else could say a thing, the machine went zing, and another disc came flying, but in a different direction. Trooper jumped and caught the frisbee. Each shot is in a different direction, and it will keep throwing until it's empty, said Trooper around his mouthful. Zing, zing, zing. One after another, the machine launched its discs. The dogs were getting good at it now. Even Overton managed to snag a low-flying one. Trooper eyed the emptying slots on the machine. One more disc for each of us, he barked. The discs kept coming. Zing, 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 zing. The last one flew high, and Theo, blinded by the setting sun, took a mighty leap to catch it. He felt his jaws close on it, just as something whizzed past his ear and slammed into the fence behind him. Then he was back on the ground. This disc felt different than the last one. Feathery. He dropped it on the ground, his eyes growing large as he realized what he'd caught. Mon Dieu! Theo has caught the clay pigeon! exclaimed Max. Only it's not clay, muttered Overton. But it is definitely dead, whispered Trooper. I swear I was jumping to catch the plastic disc, whined Theo. The sun was in my eyes, and I jumped down on whatever touched my mouth. The four dogs stared down at the broken body of the bird Theo had mistaken for a disc. I've never seen a pigeon with that coloring. It's all coppery with a red head, said Theo. It's not really a pigeon at all. It's some kind of partridge or pheasant, replied Trooper, who, as a game dog, knew his birds. Whatever it is, it looks meaty enough, added Overton, his slimesicles starting to grow. Sacre bleu! How can you think of eating, especially this poor creature? The watering of your mouth is quite disgusting, cried Max. Theo took a closer look at the bird. There was something attached to its leg. Look, what is that attached to the leg of the partridge, or whatever it is? Trooper bent down and removed a plastic holder from the bird's leg. Opening it, he withdrew a tight roll of paper. The others watched as he carefully unrolled it. Is it a recipe for baked partridge? Asked Overton. Is it the direction to go somewhere? Like the roadmap? Asked Max. Is it a last will and testament? Asked Theo. It's a message in some sort of code, replied Trooper. Yes, I see it now, added Overton. Quite elementary, really. Trooper glared at Overton. He hated it when the bigger dog beat him to the famous word. Elementary. Yipes, yipped Theo. The bird? 
is still alive! Sure enough, the little creature was twitching where it lay on the ground. Then its wings started to flap. Finally, its beak opened and a spring and gears flew out. It collapsed back onto the ground. Why, it is a voyeur mechanique, a mechanical fowl, cried Max. Elementary, said Trooper, pawing the small gears that lay around the fake bird. A sly grin spread over his muzzle as he eyed Overton, who'd opened his mouth to say the same thing. The plot thickens, added Overton stiffly. It was better than saying nothing at all. Just then, they heard the sound of a car pulling into the driveway. Quick, whispered Trooper loudly. Staff is back early. Remember, no talking. Now, it is an accepted rule among cats and dogs and most animals, parrots and minor birds have never agreed, that they never speak in front of humans. Even when a human may say to its master, speak, the animal knows better and is either silent or uses its native language. Woof, woof, or meow. A car door slammed, and the face of a woman appeared over the gate in the back fence. Aw, Trooper is having friends over. Hi, boys. She pushed open the gate, and three red-headed children romped into the backyard, followed by the woman. The children immediately began running after the dogs, much to Trooper's consternation. Theo flopped on his back, allowing one child to tickle his stomach. He loved being groomed by humans. Poor old Max was backed into a corner by the second child and whined miserably. Trooper feared the whine sounded too much like, Mon Dieu! Overton sat on his haunches, refusing to move a muscle as the third child climbed all over his 250 pounds. Come on, boys, into the house. Leave the doggies alone, called their mother as she opened the back door. Another moment and the youngsters could be heard shouting from inside. I hate human pups, grumbled Overton. Especially that red-headed league. Well, why did you just sit there taking it then? Asked Trooper. Someone had to hide Theo's, uh, trophy came the reply. With that, Overton gave a mighty huff and rose to all four feet. Under him had been the mechanical bird. His eighth of a ton had not been good for it. Some of the feathers had come loose, and its metal frame was squashed. She'll never fly again, I fear, he added with a rumbling chuckle. Where's the message that was attached to its leg? asked Max. But look as they would, it had disappeared, probably blown away while the children were scampering about. This is a mystery, said Trooper solemnly. I propose we unite to find the source of the mechanical bird and the meaning of the lost message. Un pour deux et deux pour un. One for all and all for one, cried Max. We're not the four musketeers, Frenchy growled Overton. Then the four did what dogs have done for centuries as they pledge unity, sniffed each other's behind.
Well, the game is afoot. We have a mechanical bird, created by who and for what. We have a missing message, possibly in code. But we also have four detectives on the case. I'm sure they'll find their way to the bottom of it. Come back next week for the next part of The Chukar Caper by William Stair. I promise I will publish it on time. Thanks to William Stair for writing this and so many other stories. And thanks to you for listening to Elderberry Tales. I'll see you next week.